Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast, formerly known as the Session 6 Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my lovely co-host, Kathy Waite. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. And we're kind of closing in on the end here. I think we have... Uh, Technically, three more weeks of our base building, mm. base builder. Okay. Yeah. And then um, then it'll be March, because we're, we're into February now, and then switching over more to like race right, prep right. training. So three more weeks. Transitions to a different phase. Yeah, a little different phase. So three more weeks of base building. Um, this is episode 27 of the podcast, and topic today is kind of managing tough training blocks or tough training block tactics um, because it lines right up with, in my opinion, our toughest training block of the whole base builder. Yeah, it's, it's really, it was really hard this week. I'm tired. Yeah. So for those of you following along at home or, or even those that don't know exactly what we're talking about, um, we're into those final weeks, um, including this week. It's the final four weeks of building our base. We've gradually gotten higher and higher intensity as we've gone. Um, in conjunction with some increasing volume for many people as well. And then also in the gym, we're getting back to the last little push of like mm -hmm. heavier weightlifting and the power sets are getting a little bit longer. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's just sort of like all the loading, training load and stress is mm -hmm. like kind of reaching a, a peak. So it's definitely the final little push of that base builder is very tough. Um, so I think talking about some tactics and strategies right, to get right. through that would be beneficial. Yeah, and then when you're done with this hard couple of weeks, you you go to Disney World. If you're lucky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of happens, we get a week off. Yeah, that's and our And you plan. and I get to go to Disney World. Right, right. So Just, We'll celebrate all the work we've accomplished exactly. so far. And we'll suggest that to everyone following our program. It's like we build up and then we get a whole week. Maybe it's completely off, maybe it's not, but um, for us we get... I think five days, including the travel days. Yeah, it'll be fun. We're getting treated by my my by my mom to taking us to Disney World in Florida. So um, that'll be a, a welcomed vacation for us um, when that comes. Um, and then we'll also talk about uh, Base Builder Week 25 and kind of the details mm -hmm. of the VO2 intervals we're progressing through and, and, again, more of the specifics of the strength. But maybe before we get to that, we can touch on what we've been up to since the last show. Yeah, we we should talk about the cinnamon roll century ride you took the kids on last the Wee weekend. Devo team. Yeah. yeah, so our weight endurance um, we development team. Um, yeah, we did a big, kind of our final big endurance days uh, last weekend. Right, it was and, like an adventure up to the, almost up to Fort Collins. Yeah, so Sunday was a big ride. We went from Denver to Loveland, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, those that aren't aware of that, it's basically roughly 60-ish miles up, um, and there's this little truck stop on the side of I-25 um, just before Loveland called Johnson's Corner, I believe, mm -hmm. um, and they have, in their opinion, world-famous cinnamon rolls. So um, the goal was to ride up there, get a cinnamon roll, and ride back. And as the day kind of played out, um, we had a quite nice tailwind all the way to oh, I know. We got the to, cinnamon we roll. We got to Johnson's Corner, and I had only ridden half of it because I had met you up that way. But I thought, well, that was so easy. I'm going to have to tack on extra miles when I get back to my car. Right. Um, but <laughs> that was not the case. Yeah, I think we did 60 miles in three hours. Yeah. And that was that's including, like, through Denver to get out of town and then, you know, more open roads when we got out of that. Um, had our cinnamon roll, stuffed our faces, and turned around. And then got to ride through a nice headwind all the way back. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty tough. Um, yeah, and some of the roads were dirt roads, so you're like on these bumpy dirt roads and blasting into the wind. Dirt and... roads. I think the hip term is gravel. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, be in the gravel. Yeah. Yeah, and I one of my thoughts from the day was that I'm not used to just holding like a steady pace for a couple hours, and it made my my glutes and my hips and my back hurt, and I was thinking something was wrong with me and when I got home I mentioned it to you and you said you you felt the same way on rides like that 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, pertaining to that, it's like uh, if you're used, well, if you're used to mountain biking, being in a very static position on the road will, you'll notice like little aches and pains. Cause you, oh, it you was move, more than little aches and pains. Move around yeah. as much. Yeah. And then even if you're used to road riding in like a hilly environment mm-hmm. where you're standing up more and, you know, it's more dynamic than a ride that's rather flat like this ride was. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh yeah, if you're like, staying seated for extended periods yeah you'll sometimes yeah, that experience. was probably the hardest part for me i had to stop a couple of times and stretch like an old lady on the side of the road <laughs> so, right um but yeah it was it was just fun the, the, the young riders that we get to train are just so awesome they're, they're they're always game for an adventure they they thrive in those experiences they love it. Yeah, they really like it. They like wearing themselves out, basically. Yeah. It, it was really fun. So thanks for taking them on that. Yeah. Um, we're also in the month of love, February. And so we started a, a donation, like a fundraiser drive. campaign. Yeah, yeah. Donation drive. And that's on our website. And we'll post the things on social media. We'll send out some more emails about it. But basically, in, in a nutshell, our WE development team is an official... 501, is it 3C or C3? C3. C3 organization, so a nonprofit organization. Any donation to our group is a tax-deductible deductible gift, and we will send you a receipt for that. Yeah, so we're a Colorado 501C3 organization, We Development, comma, Inc. And, um, yeah, we want to take this month to open up. Well, what we're doing is we're incentivizing folks. We can take donations year-round. And that's on our on the We Devo uh, page on our website. But for this month of February, you created some nice T-shirts, hoodies, like these fleece-lined hoodies. Yeah, um, you ordered the water bottles. Specialized, and nice specialized yeah, water, bottles, water bottles. Yeah, beautiful water bottles. These really cool little die-cut stickers for like the back of your car or whatever. Um, so we're incentivizing you to make a donation. Um, yeah. So the I think twenty-five bucks gets you the the nice die-cut sticker. 50 bucks gets you the sticker and the specialized uh, water bottle, mm-hmm. big mouth water bottle. Um, 100 bucks gets you the sticker, the water bottle, and a really nice 50-50 blend t-shirt. It's actually a tri-blend. Tri-blend? Yeah, it's really okay. nice. It won't shrink. It's it's comfortable. Yeah, those are my favorite kind. They're soft and, then, and yep. durable. And then $200 gets you all that plus a really nice softly lined um, hoodie. Yeah. yeah. They're really nice. Yeah, super comfy and warm. So, and they have the Wee Devo logo, so... You can kind of rep the, yeah. the logo and your support of the of the team. So if you go online, the quickest way to find the campaign is we-debo.com, and you'll see the buttons, you'll see everything. And when you make a donation, we will get an email. I will then email you and ask you what size you want. So it could be a little confusing. It, you don't like put your size in when you donate. I'll reach out, find what size or sizes you need. And it'll come in a few weeks. Yeah. And the um, donation is made via PayPal. So you can use your PayPal account or you can just uh, use a credit card or, you know, mm-hmm. however you want to do that. So it should be pretty simple. And then, um, yeah, all the donations collected go right into the team. And we're using that money to uh, get the equipment that the riders need, helping them get to events um, so we can cover some costs of travel and things like that over the course of the season. And we got a lot of big races, a lot of epic yeah. rides, mountain bike races, a lot of the UCI Junior uh, cross-country mountain bike races, um, and some other things throughout the, the season. So um, any and all support is welcomed and appreciated, and you'll get rewarded this month. Um, so we can ship the stickers and water bottles pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anyone that donates the 100 or $200 level that gets the shirt or the hoodie, We'll, like Kathy said, collector size will order, and then those will ship probably mid March ish or so. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So, um, so yeah, and I'll put links in the show notes as well, so you can just go there, click a link, and it'll take you right to the donation page um, as well. So that'd be yeah. So thanks in awesome. advance for your support. Yeah. Uh, what else have we? Oh, I wanted to talk to? about um, working with the GBX group. So GBX is. Uh, it stands for Golden Bike Experience. Yes. And it's a mountain bike team that... Also a junior a development A junior development team. team. They do cater to, like, to the younger group. I think they have like as um, young as eight years old. Yeah, maybe even younger. Maybe six, maybe younger. Pretty young, all the way to 18. Um, 
They're a good group. Of They're a really writers. good group. Yeah. Um, we want to tell a little bit more about how we connected with them. I mean, we've known about GBX for years. We've seen them out on the trails and seen them at races. But would yeah. you let kind of like fill that background in? Yeah. So the GBX team, um, yeah, has been around, I don't even know how, at least four years at least. They're also a 501c3 nonprofit. And, um, their mission is really kind of the whole like getting more kids on bikes mm-hmm. kind of thing and getting the younger group, I think, to really love riding their bikes, which is a great mission. Um, and then they've been developing these young riders here in the Denver, Golden Denver area, up quite well. And then um, the way we're sort of partnering at this point is as those riders' skills and racing experience and um desires improve um is then getting connected with us to kind of take them to the next level so um eric hassett who's one of the founding members and um on the board and everything with gbx his son toby is sort of the first one to do that so toby joined our team we development this year Mm -hmm. um and uh is gonna be racing with us and we'll hopefully keep him progressing along that way and then the other thing that's super cool is that gbx is um I don't know what the term would be, sponsoring or helping some of our weed development riders through covering their expenses to be on weed development. They're part of their coaching fees. Yeah, where they are um, then going to be mentors to the younger riders on this GBX program. So right, they'll be right. leading rides and mentoring these, you know, 8 to 12-year-old or 12-year-olds, um, which will be super cool. And then, uh, you know, making it possible for these older riders to be part of our program so yeah and I'm especially excited about our female writers Sophia Mia and Kennedy getting to work with the younger girls on the GBX team because there aren't a lot of role models for young girls on bikes and I mean there's Kate Courtney and Aaron Huck and the people they see racing at the world level right but but one's in your yeah one's in your neighborhood and and the three girls on our team have done very well yeah, and these young girls look up to them, so it's gonna be really cute to have our girls get to lead them on rides. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, the growth of the of girls and women getting into mountain biking is really blossoming. I think because of the NICA program, and mm-hmm. you know, the amount of the ratio of girls to boys in NICA races is way ahead of I think just about any cycling discipline out there. So, um, so there are more girls getting involved, which is awesome. And yeah, our girls on our team will mentor the younger girls on GBX. So I think the whole thing's going to be a really cool symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. of getting more kids on bikes and then those that are interested in taking it to the next level, you know, from a high-level racing standpoint, will have this ability to kind of feed into our program. Um, and a lot of cool stuff to happen there. So anyone listening that um, lives in the Denver area with a, you know, let's say six or seven-year-old up to teenage, um that's like you're wanting to get more, them in yeah, more to biking. Yeah, or maybe they already ride, but they want other people their age to ride with. GBX is a great place to go do that. And there, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. But their website is gbxjrs.com. So like gbxjuniorsjrs.com. And you can get involved <clears throat> with that. I know they have some different... You sign up uh, for like a spring block or summer block. They have like these blocks of... Uh, trainings that you sign your kid up for and um, just a super cool group. Yeah, they are awesome. Highly recommended. So my recent involvement with the group has come in the form of getting to do some strength and conditioning sessions with a group of them. So we are doing a six-week block. I'm meeting, they're coming, this group of kids is coming to the gym uh, for six Tuesday nights in a row. And it's been so much fun. I have 13 kids. It's pretty interesting because I have a nine-year-old girl, a 10-year-old girl, and then there's this wide range all the way up to two 15-year-old guys. So how, what do you do with a group that size? Yeah, well, we, we, we've made it work. Like <laughs> They've been really like cooperative and game to try anything, and, and we're doing a mix, kind of basing it off of what we do with our, our other groups, you know, core stuff, uh, agility drills, push and pull, and some strength work. The most challenging part w- with working with such a diverse age group is the strength side of it. Like, well, how do you have a nine-year-old lift at the same time a 15-year-old is lifting? Right, right. We've made it work. I will say a big thank you to Sean Paris, who 
owns the CrossFit gym now. He he stayed two Tuesday nights ago and worked with a group of the of the guys for like thirty minutes on the deadlift. Mm. It was awesome. Like it was so cool. Yeah, that is. Um, cool. And they're really coming along and and getting it. And so, some of the kids are sticking with kettlebells right now for the strength work and not doing barbells, and that's age appropriate. That's right. level skill level appropriate. And what's really interesting is um, it's not really like just because you're 15, you can do a barbell deadlift. And if you're 12, you can't. Mm-hmm. Everyone progresses. Their bodies develop at, develop at a different rate. Yeah. And sometimes, honestly, the girls pick it up, pick up the weightlifting before the boys do. Like they're more body aware? Yeah, maybe, I mean. Just stronger for the I age? I think or... in general, girls go through puberty just a little okay. bit sooner, like yeah. a year or two sooner. Um some of these girls have gymnastics backgrounds, and so mm. they're really aware of their bodies. Yes, and strong. Gymnastics makes Really it strong, strong yeah. right. So, yeah, it, it's been interesting to see how some of them pick it up well, and some of them are struggling. But the cool thing is is that you can modify, for example, the deadlift, a classic hip hinge movement, with kettlebells or dumbbells. You don't have to use a barbell. Right. Um, the other night I was thinking about, like, why, why am I teaching the kids the deadlift? When it can be such a hard move for them. Yeah. Like, can they keep their shoulders engaged and keep their core tight? And, I, you know, the last thing we want to do is hurt any kid's yeah. back. But um, the hip hinge, the deadlift is, why did I say that so funny? The deadlift. <laughs> but it, it's such a, um apropos movement for, especially mountain biking. You are in a hip hinge position the entire when time you're on, you're on your, on your bike. Your bike. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just picture the way you're... You're bent over your handlebars and your your weight's rested on your, your pedals. You are um, in that position and you need to strengthen that position yeah. and you need to be comfortable in that position. Yeah, without a doubt. If your butt, particularly if your butt is not on the seat, meaning you're standing up mm-hmm. and you're on a bike, any bike really, but any bike, bike really. for sure, it's very noticeable. That is the hip hinge position. That is yeah. the deadlift position. Like, right. yeah, they are the same thing. And that's why deadlifting is so applicable to cyclists yeah for sure. it's really cool and it's something i'm going to talk about more this tuesday because two of the boys especially are you know one's 15 and rides pretty seriously and another kid i think he's probably 13 just in my mind they're, they're the two that are struggling the most with this movement okay so i i want to bring it back to that's your body position on the bike and have them show me how they ride their bike out of the saddle so they're struggling with the deadlift in the sense that they're like overthinking they're probably overthinking it their back is rounding like they're they're struggling with the idea that you're hinging from your hips they're wanting to squat like oh they're wanting to bend their knees sit down to grab the bar yeah rather than hinge right okay and and the older one was so cute. He's like, this is so complicated. And he's kind of worming his body everywhere. I'm like, okay, don't overthink it. It's just this. But just saying it's just this wasn't clicking for him. Well, yeah, and you say hip hinge, and that doesn't necessarily like, what the heck's that? make sense at So first. we're going to go back to, hey, show me how you position yourself on the bike. Pretend this is the bike right here. What are you doing? And then they go right I'm, I'm hoping the... it's going to like click for them. Oh, so you haven't done it yet? No, we're going to talk about that this oh, Tuesday. Oh, I thought you had already done that. No, I thought about it after our session this Got week. It. Like, gosh, what can I say to make this click for them? Because, you know, everyone learns differently. You can show yeah. them something. You can kind of put their body in that position. But it's still not clicking for two of the right. guys. So if you say to them, show me your best descending position on the mountain bike. Yeah, maybe that'll help. Boom, they'll kind of fall into that. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah. Makes sense. I like it. Yeah. So it's really cool, though. These kids are awesome, and um, I'm hoping to teach them some things they can do on their own, too, if if they want to continue with, like, a strength program. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. So you're doing this for six weeks with the G- GBX, mm-hmm. uh, like a, you said, about 12 or 13 of them. Yep. Um, and it's kind of like a preseason conditioning. Yeah, for sure. And then I think they go into their, like, spring training yeah i think they have some indoor on. training yeah. sessions coming up with, with cool. their cycling gym and yeah and then they go outside awesome well, i think it's great i mean i'm happy with the whole kind of gbx symbiotic partnership i with am too they're good people and i think that'll be really good for the long term so um cool um i think that covers most yeah. of that's kind of what we've been up to what we've been up it's just to been a busy week yeah well why don't we talk about Week 25 of the base builder and get mm-hmm. kind of go through that and then some things um, that we 
sort of learned ourselves or discussed amongst ourselves mm-hmm. um, in class, coaching, um, particularly the VO2 max intervals that we did um, this week. Um, so with that, continuing into week 25 of our Base Builder program, um, we introduced VO2 max intervals um, in 20, week 24. That was last podcast episode. We talked all about that. Um, the intervals themselves, we're going to do another week, so two more sessions of that. And the way we are progressing these intervals is we're doing the same amount of minutes at the power, the VO2 power, but we're going to trim the recovery intervals just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we spend more minutes in the VO2 um, energy system in terms of maximum oxygen uptake. Because as you trim, you get less recovery when you start the next interval, you get, you're starting at a higher um, respiratory rate, mm-hmm. heart rate, you know, and you get up to that VO2 heart rate, respiratory rate earlier into the next interval. So therefore you spend more minutes in VO2, i.e. it's harder, basically. Right. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about um, it, but I feel that way every block we do, that when you threaten, tell us that you're going to shorten our rest time, I always feel this anxiety and somehow we all seem to rise to the occasion. Yeah. Because we're we're improving our fitness and as you go. As you exactly. go. Yep. And you kinda know going into week two, okay, these this is the power demand that's gonna be we've done this. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a matter of doing it with a little less recovery. Um so the the, the main interval sets, well you can listen to last week's podcast to get the interval structure, but it's basically four times two minute at our eight minute power um, we had two minutes worth of rest last week, um, and then this moving forward, we're going to have on Tuesday a minute and a half worth mm-hmm. of rest in between, and then on Thursday, just one minute worth of rest. Oh, so it'll be two minutes on and one minute off. Okay. Um, so it's the same eight minutes worth of eight-minute power, but just shortening that recovery. And then after a little bit of an extended break, we then do another set of VO2s working on the lower end, 16-minute power, with four by four minutes. This week, we did um, three-minute recoveries. Mm-hmm. Going into next week, uh, Tuesday, it's going to be two-minute yeah, two minute recoveries on Tuesday. And then oh just one-minute recovery on Thursday. So it'll be four uh, on, okay. one off will be the, you know, the final one. Um, so, yeah, it gets yeah, that's, challenging. <laughs> that sounds meaty. Yeah, so it's, it, these, it's kind of set with the decreasing progressions of recovery works really well because you are doing the same amount of work the same kilojoules all that Mm -hmm. but because the recovery is short shortening you're spending more minutes in vo2 without having to do more work the power work i guess the good news is the intervals will be over quicker yeah you get through the set (laughs) you don't even have time to think about it. right yeah i mean that is part of it for sure um so it gets very challenging to do that um you know, and then one of the things, this is part of what we were talking about, of like we're into the toughest training block. This is yeah. very high intensity work um, and, you know, how you go about doing that. And it's really important to, you know, think about lowering your overall training volume. So when you get to these workouts, you're ready to go. Um, and we can talk about that when we get to kind of tough training block tactics here in a minute. But Well, let me ask you a question. Um, yes. Um, our daughter Sophia asked a question yesterday, I think it was. Okay. Like, why do you have us do the the two-minute, the, the eight-minute power sets first mm-hmm. versus the lower watts first? Because in her mind, she was thinking, I'm not warmed up yet to do the higher watts. I'd rather do the 16-minute power sets first and warm up for the higher output. Oh, okay. Can you do it the other way? I suppose you could. I've always done it. I've always set up training in the greater picture of like you do your high output stuff mm-hmm. first and then you do progressively lower output and we'll, I'll even do that in like a weekly structure it's like Tuesdays when you know if you're in kind of the mid-season race prep kind of training Tuesday is usually the hardest intensity day then maybe Thursday's like kind of medium intensity and then by the weekend it's like low intensity endurance stuff um, mm. so it's the same thing with yeah. an a actual training session we get the higher output, the higher power demand, the higher workload set first. Then the second set, if there's two sets of intervals, um, is a little bit less. I wonder if she's thinking of that because, like in the weightlifting sessions, 
you build up the weights. You don't start with the heaviest weight first and then go down. You start yeah. with a warm-up weight and go up. Yeah. Um, I mean, you should, could try it the other way. I think yeah. the two-minute ones would be significantly harder. Because... Yeah, I think it would be an interesting <laughs> experiment, but I kind of like getting the, the higher-intensity ones out of the way first. Yeah, because if you have specific power targets, you're going to have a harder time hitting those, potentially, if you're coming, if you already did a large amount of work beforehand yeah like, for sure you got to get it done when you're fresh so um just because it's an interval's longer i don't know where her brain is with that but you do the hard stuff first well some people stuff. think the two minute ones are harder and some people think the four minute ones are harder yeah like honestly for me like the two minute ones are easier even though it's more power i, I ran the 400 in high school so like a two minute effort is like whew, i'm done with it Right. But to do the four-minute one is like running the 800, which I also ran. Yeah. And that second lap just feels like death because you have to sustain it for a longer period of time. Right, right. Well, you should try it the other way around. Yeah, see <laughs> yeah I will. <laughs> I don't know. The four-minute ones are just a – that's a big challenge for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do we have? Oh, what about – let's talk about gym progressions because we wanted to talk about – some VO2 strategies, yeah, yeah. intervals. Well, the gym sessions were just getting a little heavier with the weights. Like, I think Wednesday we did two reps of 90%. deadlifts at like 90 or, yeah, I think 90. it was 90%. So it was, it was heavy. Yeah. Um, it's getting heavier. So that again, that's why, you know, we're doing high intensity work on the bike, lifting some heavy weights in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then also, combo. um, yeah, the power, the, sets. the power sets. That's what we've finish our well we finish with mobility but the last thing before we get to stretch our bodies out is this power set where we're doing movements such as uh, walking lunges at a fast pace box jumps quickly uh, ball slams and wall ball shots and we started a few weeks ago with just a little bit of it work it was like two minutes. two minutes long tabata style which means it's four intervals of 20 seconds of work 10 seconds of rest and then we progressed to six of those intervals or three minute tabata and this week it was the full shebang, four minute Tabatas. Yeah. So we had, like, which is a classic Tabata um, time length. So, like Wednesday, we did uh, four minutes of wall ball shots. And to be honest, I only did six of the eight intervals because I was nervous. And I, I was sore enough yesterday. And I, when I woke up yesterday morning, I didn't know how in the hell I was going to do yeah. the bike session, but I figured it out. Yeah, yeah. So it's a trifecta of. <laughs> High intensity intervals on the bike, some heavy weightlifting. Even though it's small amounts, it's yeah. still heavy weightlifting, and then the these power Tabata sets. Yeah, there it's it's a great combination, but yeah. challenging, and that's why we're going to talk about like getting more sleep and nutrition and stuff, so we can do the work. Right, right, and so that's like the this is the crux of the final few weeks of base builder. It's like in my you know the the hardest little bit. Um, so we need to really. Fo- kind of double down on getting through this and mm-hmm. the challenge, accepting the challenge and being ready to go there. So, um, what, do you, are you ready to talk about some tactics? From yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, so, let's talk about some VO2 max tactics because VO2 intervals are very difficult. Um, I think they're the most sort of, you want to use the word painful mm-hmm. because they're, they're not quite like max effort, but they're close. I, I told people in the, in the trainer studio this week, this these are like that nine out of ten effort. Like right. you could push yourself harder, um, but you don't need to. But it's still very, very hard. Nine out of ten mm-hmm. um, kind of efforts, and and it's also something that most people, myself included, you kind of dread them a little bit. Like the day before and the morning of, you're think, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're stressing. I am. I always like, oh my, okay, we got a tough session. Yeah. Right. Do you feel the same? Yeah. I yeah for sure. Tuesday, I was feeling fresh, so I was excited and ready to do it, and I really enjoyed the session. It was like kind of like race scenario-like, mm-hmm. um, but Thursday, as I mentioned, I just did not think I was going to be able to do it, so I went into the gym with a little bit more anxiety. Yeah. And then Sophia was feeling fresh yesterday, and she got done like, oh my God, that was so much fun. I loved it. Like, <laughs> oh dear, I barely made it through. Well, that's the thing. These are so hard that if you get through them and accomplish the task you feel really good about yourself Mm -hmm. because you just did a high amount of work and it's super high quality and and also if you struggle and don't do as well as you had planned it can be a little tough to to deal with i think you need to have the perspective that if you even just get through it like the best you can if you finish the intervals it's a success yeah and that's how i felt yesterday i didn't quite hit my numbers like i was supposed to 
just a little bit lower, maybe like 5% lower power output than Tuesday. But I didn't give up. I stuck with it. I finished it. I, I was very proud of myself. Yeah. You know, I maybe wouldn't have won, won the race yesterday and I would have won it on Tuesday, but I did it. Right, right. Um, yeah. So let's yeah. talk about... Yeah, what kind of tactics did you use? What did you find was the most helpful for like your pacing and your making sure you did the right amount of watts, but not too much, etc.? Yeah, so for me, um, the VO2s, the two-minute ones, I would agree with you, they're short enough that it's like as soon as they start getting hard, they're just about over. Um, so those ones I don't find terribly like difficult. It's high power, um, but it's very manageable in my mind. Um, now, going to the four-by-four-minutes at 16-minute power, it's kind of a different ballgame mm-hmm. because it's now longer because, you know, by when you get halfway through, you still have two whole minutes to go, which is a reasonable amount of time at a pretty high workload to get through. Um, hey, do you ever have like those moments in the four minute ones where you maybe you've closed your eyes for 20 seconds of pedaling and then you look up and you see that, oh, my God, I still have a minute 45 left. Like, right. Do you ever panic a little bit or is that just me? Uh I probably, yeah. I try not to. <laughs> um, but sure, that's certainly possible. Well, if anyone else thinks that, it's, <laughs> to me, it's normal. And just like take a deep breath and give yourself like some kind of positive, yeah. you know, chit chat well, there. These are big time mental challenges as well. Um, because four minutes really isn't that long of a time. But when you're on, especially in a trainer, it seems like it's significantly yeah, longer. Yeah, for than sure. That, for sure. Um, so my strategies, what I do, I shared this with our class um, in the trainer studio was, so the four by fours, I try to, I try to start out in a little bit easier gear, a little bit higher cadence, mm-hmm. um, and focus more on keeping that pedaling cadence up, and um, for as long as I can because I feel like that spares like the muscular fatigue and it it does drive it puts more of a demand on your heart rate. Um, but if you have the fitness, you want to sustain that as long as you can. So my strategy on the four minute ones is, um, I figured out in the, you know, X gear, this gear I figured out on my bike and with my trainer and 95 RPMs got me the power target I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I held that for the first three minutes of the four minute interval. Then by roughly around that three minute mark, it started to become very challenging to keep my cadence up because fatigue was setting in. Mm-hmm. So it was it was hard to keep the power where I wanted. So what I did is I shifted one one harder gear. Okay. Cadence then dropped from ninety five target to eighty five target to hit the power I wanted, and then I finished that final minute in that little bit bigger gear, a little bit lower cadence. Okay. Okay. Then the next interval, number two, I got through about two minutes in that higher gear 95 rpm and then shifted down to that harder gear for the second half 85 rpm to finish it out and i could hit my um average power target for the four minutes then the third interval i did the first minute at the higher cadence kind of settled in and then shifted and finished the three minutes and then the last interval i just did the entire thing in that bigger gear a little lower cadence yeah so Hmm. where i could kind of fall back and rely more on my muscles doing more of the work yeah. Um, for more of the four minutes as each of the four-minute intervals went along. So how I explained this to people in the trainer studio was um, when you're pedaling along at 95 RPMs, it's essentially like you're on a flat road. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go outside and you're riding on flat, you know, for me anyway, cadence is around 95, give or take. When I start going up an incline, cadence drops, right? So when I climb like a low-grade hill, it might be more like 85 RPM. And then you go a little steeper hill, it drops into the 70 RPM range. Um, So it's effectively like what you're doing when you shift to a little harder gear and lower the cadence is like you're steepening the slope Mm -hmm. of the hill that you are theoretically... No, now I can't say <laughs> Riding? <laughs> Forget it, just go on. Yeah. Um, so many of us, if you have a power meter on your bike, recognize that it's easier to put out higher power, mm-hmm. like sustain 
on a climb. That's why most people, when they do their like testing and their intervals, they they do them on hills because it's easier. You have gravity against you. It's a little more. It's just easier to maintain higher power mm-hmm. um, because you're getting more of your muscles involved as opposed to trying to do intervals on a flat ground. It's it's just more difficult. It's it's a physics thing. Um, so by shifting to those harder gears, getting to lower cadences, it's like going up a hill rather than flats. Um, and you can get that power that you're looking for as the target to be produced a little bit, quote unquote, easier. Okay. You know, maybe a slightly lower heart rate or lower RPE. So that's kind of how I go about these. Yeah, I wish I would have thought about trying a little easier gear on Thursday because on Tuesday, my legs weren't that tired from weightlifting yet. I'd, I'd only done one session for the week. Okay. And I was fine being in like that 88 cadence for the intervals. Mm-hmm. But Thursday being more fatigued muscularly, it might have behooved me to try your strategy. I just, I didn't know, I didn't know about it and I yeah. hadn't thought about it. Well, um, and it I takes... I might try it next week. And you can only do it for so long because eventually it's like you can't keep the power up and yeah. you, you have to go to, you have to basically give yourself more resistance to push against. Okay. Um, I think I was just so tired yesterday. I thought I'm going to keep it simple. Like I know that I need to be in this gear and be pedaling at this speed to hit the power output. Mm -hmm. And it was like one less thing to think about. Um, I'm going to try your strategy next week and see which one I like better. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a different way to go about it. I think it makes the intervals more like doable or sustainable. Um, but I think either way, if you if you did it your way or my way, focusing on the cadence for these intervals is really important. Um, yes. Because it keeps your 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 watts, your power output more steady versus like an erratic up and down 15, 20, 25 watts. Right. Like just focus on a smooth stroke and whatever that cadence is. Well, like, I heard you have with the whole conversation with Sophia. Yeah, because she, what was she said something like, um, Mom, I can't get my... I just can't keep the watts steady. And I said, well, just focus on your cadence and like, don't look at the watts right now. Well, I mean, you kind of glance at it and make sure you're not like missing the mark completely. But after about 30 seconds into the interval, you should figure out that when I'm in this gear pedaling at 85 or 88 or 89, it's almost exactly what I need. I mean, the watts do go up and down a little bit, but you'll settle into what is that perfect cadence for that gear for that power output yes i had the same question last week i think from someone in the studio very much that same thing they're like is there a different metric we can look oh, yeah, at i think brian asked that that because our the power jumps all around which is normal i think we'd actually talked about this on the show last week I think it's so. because of the sample rate of yeah of from the uh, devices we're using but if you yeah you figure out what gear and cadence gets you the tarp the power target and then focus in on the cadence because that you can control much yeah i think that's the most important part for these intervals at first like just get that smooth rhythm the smooth cadence um sometimes sometimes i even close my eyes so i'm not like obsessively looking at my my wahoo element but then like open my eyes and and glance to make sure i'm still on track Um, but it just like it got me right where i needed to the lap the the lap power was staying steady and that was helpful and then as I neared the end of the two minutes, the four minutes, I just had to focus a little bit more on the heart rate to make sure I didn't blow it, blow it up past 92% of my max heart rate. Right. Um, and sometimes that did mean, especially yesterday, that I had to slow down just a little bit so I didn't work too hard. Okay. Yeah, but it worked. And so she focused on the cadence basically the rest of the time and found it much easier to stay smooth yeah. and steady. Yeah, you, you don't want to focus on the the power yeah. of the moment because it does bounce around quite yeah, a bit. So. And that's another thing too, if you're doing this at home and particularly is you can set up your computer screen, your Garmin or your Wahoo or whatever to show average power mm-hmm. for the um, interval that you're doing. And then you're focusing on your cadence, roughly your power, but you can always keep an eye on the four minute or the average for the four minute interval in this case. Right. And know if you're kind of and def- ahead or yeah, right. <laughs> definitely have your heart rate on that computer screen too because yeah well as you always preach like don't do too much work and and make the recovery too great for yeah. the next session don't make it a 10 out of a 10 effort right. it should be like a 9 out of 10 effort yeah. exactly 
Um, and I think it's important also on these intervals to employ some sort of mental strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, on Tuesday, it was just easier for me. I, I really just kind of being in the moment was enough. Like the music was good. I was happy, blah, blah, blah. But yesterday I was having to like count to 10. I was having to think about being on a certain trail in a certain race. I was having to tell myself like, make a count. You're almost done. You're strong. Yeah. So I think you're going to find that in different sessions. You'll feel good or you won't feel good. But like have some mental strategies like in your back pocket to pull out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Music is key. Like mm-hmm. having the right sort of tempo of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I focus on, I watch the clock and change my hand positions. Yeah, you love that one. Every minute. Um, from it, I'll mix it up too, but um, sometimes I start on the tops and then a minute in the hoods and a minute in the drops. Or I'll have it a on-the-fly plan of what I'm going to do for this interval, but it gives me something to think about, and then I can stay on track with the the minutes, and they mm-hmm. seem to go by slightly faster. And um, and then when things start to get harder and I am fatiguing, you know, I'll plan, like, okay, I'm going to stand up the last 10 seconds of this minute, you know, and kind of do, like, a little acceleration standing to yeah, give myself a break. I never stand during these. Oh, I like to break it up. Yeah. When it gets, when I'm starting to fatigue, I got it. Yeah, well, this is up. why we talk about different strategies. Like, I don't think about my hand position. I don't think about standing. Oh, really? That's interesting. I'm counting to 10. Okay. And giving myself little pep talks along the way. Okay, yeah. And then the other thing I think is really key, especially with VO2, because it's that high um, breathing rate. Mm-hmm. Um is really focusing in on your breath, particularly the, the exhale, like getting all the, the, the CO2 out, in yeah. essence, and then sucking in the air back into sort of naturally, but really focusing on a rhythmic, I don't know if forceful is the right word, but definitely like a noticeable exhale. Okay, so yeah, this is what I would do. I would count 10 for 10 like right foot pedal strokes, mm-hmm. and then take a really relaxing breath and thinking more about like clearing out my lungs. Mm for three or four seconds, however long it took, and then I would count to 10 pedal strokes on my left foot and, okay. and always have that relaxing breath in between switching from my left side to the, my right side, my right side to my left side. Okay, to break it up. Yeah, and I know yeah. I could see on your face that you've never done that, but it just it did help me, and it did help me remember to breathe and cleanse and relax. Yeah, that's an interesting way to do it too. Yeah, so the way I do use the breath is... I know I'm in VO2, in quotes, when I'm breathing once every second, which mm. is a pretty fast, if you just sit here and try it, you'll like hyperventilate. I never thought about this. But I can, I can't, you, you can train yourself to do it from the start of the interval when you're not yet in VO2 and kind of get used to it. But definitely like after the first minute or so, of say a four minute one, and I'm getting into that VO2, it's like I can breathe out. So I'm exhaling every second. Okay. And then I literally can close my eyes and have that timer because I'm breathing every second and look up and I'll even close my eyes for 15 seconds and then look at the counter and know I've counted my breaths. Yep, I'm on 15 seconds. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll think about this next week. Yeah. And it's a very high breathing rate. Um, Yeah, I was just doing it while you're talking and then realized I would be too loud on the microphone. (laughs) But I'll have to think about that next week. Yeah, so it's other things to, to kind of think about. So when I'm really getting, especially when the recovery intervals shorten next week and we get into VO2 earlier into the intervals, I'll start with that one second breathing, like starting the interval. So it's mm. like I'm already there and I'm in it and it just kind of helps you get really focused too. Okay, um, interesting. So different tactics, but... Um, just things that we use to kind of get through these tough, tough workouts. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so on that note, should we just talk about tra- like tough training block tactics? That was kind of yeah, for sure. The what, what I had penciled in making our podcast schedule. I knew we would be hitting that tough training block as we entered the VO two max the last four four weeks of base builder. So I thought it'd be appropriate to talk about it. Um, so. We're in the tough training block. We've established that. Um, some tactics around tough training blocks, whether it's now in base or maybe you're, you got another tough training uh, block plan later in the summer before uh, a race. Um, one of the big things before a tough training block is really increasing your freshness going into it. Um, you don't want to c- come into a tough training block already with some fatigue, whether it's 
moderate or high amounts. Um, you want to be fresh and eager and motivated and ready to do this. Um, so for example, what we did um, with the weed development team is last Sunday, we did our last final big long ride, the cinnamon roll ride we mentioned earlier. And I gave them then Monday off. Um, Tuesday was just an easy spin. Right. Um, so they did not do the VO2 max intervals. Yeah, they yeah. didn't do the strength on Monday. They didn't do the intervals on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, I had them come back for gym the gym session. Mm -hmm. So they just did strength training. Um, and then Thursday, which was yesterday, was the first interval session. Yeah, them, and Sophia was eager and ready to do it, and she loved every second of it. Right. I don't think she would have felt that way on Tuesday. Exactly. Had she jumped right in. Right. So the idea was we took kind of a mini recovery in there. Mm -hmm. And if you take a step back and look at it, and this is true for everyone following our base builder plan, like we just put in four really good weeks of anaerobic threshold training. Mm -hmm. um, so for those of you training every day through this, you know, kind of as written or maybe even slightly above what's written in the, in the training program, you probably are, are or were ready for a little bit of a break. Mm -hmm. Um now, we don't build the recovery into the training plan that we have for the base builder because it's assumed that most of our adult athletes are riding maybe only one weekend day, um, whether it's due to weather or just other commitments, um, missing, you know, we know in our studio sessions, like people miss a given workout or a week of workouts due to work travel or they're sick or they're busy with their kids or whatever. So in those instances, of an adult athlete with a busy life often just missing things randomly here and there is mm -hmm. enough to keep from building too much fatigue. But if you're training super, super consistently, um, you, you know, you might need that recovery. And like we, like I just mentioned, kind of going into a, a tough block like this. Right. So what you're saying is just because your training plan says to do intervals on Tuesday, if you're completely whipped from... A huge weekend training block. Maybe you should think about not doing. Yeah, goes back to session. listening yeah. to, Listen your to your body. body exactly and getting the recovery when you need it, regardless of what any plan says. Um, so that's how we kind of did that. Um, so we skipped a few days of the the plan and inserted some extra rest, and then yeah, everyone was pretty successful yesterday with their um, interval workout. And then the other big one too is when you're doing a high intensity training block, in particular. Um, you need to reduce the overall training volume um, because now the stress is coming from these VO2 intervals or this high intensity work, um, meaning overall weekly volume just needs to come down a little bit so you are able to recover and you're fresh enough for the next high intensity interval session that comes up. So in our plan, we have Tuesday, Thursday is the interval day. Um, that means, you know, the last four weeks, we were able to do anaerobic threshold intervals, which are kind of moderate intensity, um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we could still get in a reasonably hard group ride on Saturday and a long ride on Sunday and mm -hmm. recover enough and still hit our goals on Tuesday and Thursday. Well, now, if you try to do a hard group ride and a long ride <laughs> and then come back and try to do these VO2s yeah, you're just on gonna Tuesday, bury yourself. Yeah, it, you'll struggle to make it. You'll probably, it'll feel more like a 10 out of a 10 if you can even do it. And it just sets you up to not succeed. So what you need to do is cut that volume back. Um, doesn't mean you don't ride, but you just don't ride as much. And that's all relative to the person. But um, cutting that volume back makes room for the high intensity that's in that in the program. And that's pretty standard like training knowledge, but that's, some people forget yeah, to like, put it together. Some people really love, love, love their long rides. True. And it, it's hard to think about cutting back. Um, but, you know, weekends like this where here in Denver it's snowy, it, it's a little easier to take a rest break yeah. then. Well, yeah, and then as a side note, I mean, we couldn't have planned it any better from a weather standpoint because we had probably the, I don't know if it snowed at all in January. Yeah, it was amazing. And we got all kinds of good long rides every weekend. It was fantastic. You know, it just worked perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then our first week of high intensity, it's snowing more yeah. or less all week. Um, and it's going to keep it up, I think, into next week. 
So it, we couldn't have asked for anything better of that because we were planning to do this high intensity block and not riding as much. So if it's going to snow, let it snow kind of thing. So a bunch of our, our kids on the team are going to do the old man, old man winter rally race up in um, Boulder mm-hmm. on Sunday. Does that mean you'll have them rest Monday and Tuesday again? Uh, we'll see how it goes. I haven't decided yet okay. on that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but they're... that's our biggest challenge with the with the We Devo team is making sure they don't do too much. Do too much. Yeah, I mean they're they're going they have today off. It's they're gonna do very little tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they're gonna do that ride, which is sixty miles, and then they'll, I think they'll be able to recover okay. from that because they're coming into it super fresh. So, um, but yeah, we'll play that by ear. Um, so that's kind of tactic number one when you're going into a tough training block, um, and for those in it now, maybe it's too late, but reduce or really increase freshness reduce mm-hmm. stress prior to the high intensity block so your freshness well, it's not too late like if they felt exhausted this week then just take this weekend yeah. very mildly yeah absolutely yeah get caught up on some other things and be ready to go on tuesday um another big one is fueling mm-hmm. um when we get into high intensity training the carbohydrate demand goes up significantly um, because high intensity training, VO2 max and above relies almost exclusively on carbohydrates for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, so this goes back to nutrition periodization concept of, you know, when you're training like endurance and aerobic stuff, you know, you, you can focus a little more on fats and a little less on carbs. Now we flip the switch the other way, right? We're now we're focusing on the high end, high intensity stuff. So we need to kind of up the carbs to fuel those workouts so we have the glycogen mm-hmm. um and you know trim the fats down a little bit because we need to make more room for the carbs so um <clears throat> so yesterday morning you pulled out our bread machine yes it sat dormant on the <laughs> shelves yeah i don't think we've used it in like a year or two and you made us um well two loaves of bread now we've almost eaten one loaf since yesterday and you made another one <laughs> our family of four not oh just gosh. me and you and me and you said <laughs> i'm gonna get fat from this but um the point is though you you, you knew this was a a fine time to have a little extra bread because we're burning it so quickly right right we need it for for fuel um so that, i mean that makes a big big difference in fact carlos one of our noontime mm-hmm. trainer studio guys who's um normally kind of low on the carb scale he's more of like the fat for fuel guy mm-hmm. and he even said like oh last what do you say like oh, yeah, last, see, night, last night I had... he had some farro and then he had some like an almond flour tortilla and then he had like a piece of toast or something yeah he was and like it was almost entirely carbs. carbs and he's like i nailed my workout i was so today. proud of him right like, you ate carbs <laughs> um, so it does it makes a huge difference more so than a lot of people like realize or give credit to that getting those glycogen stores fully t- topped up. I mean, even if it's just this like 75 minute interval workout, it just makes a big difference. Yeah. It's not like you're carbo loading and gorging on it, but it's just you're shifting, upping that percentage of carbs, still eating total calories in what's appropriate for what you need. But just that ratio of carbs to fats, um, swinging more towards the carbs. Um, maybe on that note, why don't we talk about um, like our pre-workout fueling strategies. I mean, I, I have a standard breakfast I do before interval workouts. Oh, you, you go ahead first. Oh, so mine is, um, so we, we work out at noon. We have the lunch hour workout. Um, so I, I wake up, um, and breakfast is a nice bowl of oatmeal, mm-hmm. um, like old fashioned oatmeal, my thing lately has just been to um, I add some chia seeds, I drizzle some peanut butter on it once oh, it's cooked. You do. Okay. Um, throw some walnuts in there as well, so there are some fats in there and a little bit of protein. Um, and then this time of year, um, apples. Yeah, you chop up an entire apple, don't you? Yeah, we've had some really good apples, so I've just been chopping up the apples, a little cinnamon, um, and then a little almond milk to moisten it all up. Do you put any honey or syrup? I don't, because yeah. I figure the apple has the sugars I need right. um, but it wouldn't, to make I, it taste I usually good. add a little bit of honey just for something. For flavor? Yeah. Um, yeah, which you can certainly do. I just don't like it super sweet. Um, but it's a big bowl. In fact, it's like every Tuesday and Thursday morning I make this bowl, but every Tuesday and Thursday morning Sophia always goes, whoa, like it's <laughs> <laughs> this massive. It's so pretty big. It is pretty big. Um, 
but yeah, it's just funny because she sees it every week and yet <laughs> it blows her mind. Um, but it's great. I love oatmeal in general. Um, Do you have another snack before you? Yeah, so I'll, I'll eat that like um, around 8.30-ish, 8, okay. 8.30. Um, and then about 10.30, um, I'll have some toast, oftentimes with peanut butter and a banana and honey again. So, I mean, that's another... 600-ish calories. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, a lot of carbs, a little bit of fat from the peanut butter. Um, and that's kind of like the pre-workout uh, meal. And to be fair, we are, at our noon session, we do our 75-minute interval session, and then we add another 45 minutes of aerobic climbing at the end. Um, so ours is like a two-hour So you're fueling for training, a two-hour workout. A two-hour workout, yeah. yeah. And then we've been drinking a little bit of Gatorade. We had some leftover, like, mini bottles of Gatorade. Yeah, for in-ride in fueling. Um, we have some tips, too. But what do you... Oh, for my breakfast and stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I have my two pieces of toast when I wake up with my coffee. Well, after my water. And on the toast, I have one piece that has just butter and honey and one piece that has butter, honey, and peanut butter. And that's, like, 7.38 in the morning? Yeah, sometimes I... Sp- spread it out and have like one cappuccino with one piece of toast and an hour later do a second cup of coffee and a second piece of toast. We had the luxury of doing that at home because we work from home. home all morning. Yeah. Um, and then I make this pretty giant fruit smoothie that has lots of fruit and some Greek yogurt. And I have that around 10 30 or 11. So that's your pre-ride snack. Yes. Yeah. And I made the mistake recently of drinking that at 1130 before the noon class and I was quite sick to my stomach. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. I mean, you eat the smoothies really well. Like I can't do smoothies before. Yeah, it works for me. Rides. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely need to eat it or drink it, I should say, an hour before and not 30 minutes before. Yeah. Because when she says smoothie, folks, it's like massive. Like It's giant. It's like, it's like a 600 calorie smoothie yeah i mean it's like 30 ounces or right those are those know. big cups. no it's pretty big like 24 ounces probably yeah um and it's well, got, i feel like i just get all my fruit in for the day and well, I'm, you get like a cup of greek yogurt usually yeah. right well half a cup a banana pineapple, berries, pineapple and frozen um dark berries like raspberries okay. strawberries blackberries i don't know it works for me i yeah. like it yeah and then i will usually Drink a little bit of Gatorade in the middle of the ride. Yeah, so in ride. Yeah, and then some like Swedish fish or something. So yeah, so in ride. Well, before we move on to in ride, sometimes what what about like caffeine? So we both of you and I are coffee drinkers. Mm -hmm. So I would say Tuesday Thursday morning I've usually had two cups of coffee. Me too. Sometimes three, but usually two. Um, kind of in the hours prior. Um, sometimes you like a Coke. Yeah, if I don't sleep very well, which is unfortunately too often for me, um, but if I don't feel super peppy before a big bike workout, I'll drink a Coke about 30 minutes before. Right, and that has the sugars as well as caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also caffeine supplements, which... I've never done those. I'll do, not a caffeine supplement per se, but I'll do um, this product called Race Pre-Race, um, made by First Endurance, and there's a powder form you mix in water or capsules. I'll do those before races mm -hmm. and oftentimes um, before interval sessions in the summer going outside. Oh, yeah. But I don't really do it much in the winter months for the trainer workouts. I'm not sure why. I think because they're two hours or less and I don't really want all of that in my system, I guess, for okay. the rest of the day, maybe. I don't know. I haven't, I don't know why I don't <laughs> do it before. I think honestly. we just get in our routines. Because there's plenty of studies that show that. Um, you know, having some caffeine is beneficial for high-intensity workouts. Kind of oh. lowers the RPE, and um, you know, there's things to be gained from that. Um, but I guess it's up to each user. But we're getting our caffeine and from coffee, basically. Um, you know, if I drink a Coke right before a workout, it does seem to make the workout go easier. I just don't want to get in the habit of like every time I yeah. do a workout drinking a Coke because there's so many chemicals and right, sugars right. in there. And anyone working out like during the evening sessions would I wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't want to do caffeine because no. then you yeah. go to bed shortly after. But um, all right, so then in ride fueling strategies because of these workouts, even though they're short, they do eat up the glycogen pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and as your glycogen stores go down, the RPE generally goes up. So we want to be successful in these workouts. So I do think even being only a seventy-five minute or in some cases a two-hour workout, 
having some sugars during the workout is beneficial. So, um, yeah, we'll do like a sports drink sometimes. We had those leftover little mini Gatorades that that's what we've been drinking. But um, any kind of like sports drink can be an easy way to do it or a gel. Um, a lot of people bring candy into the training studio. Yeah, like yeah I like Skittles and stuff like that. I love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I actually drank or ate a couple cuties yesterday. During the workout? Um, no, in between the... Um, the two, the two, like the, the interval workout parts. and the yeah. aerobic workout. Yeah. Um, so it is beneficial, I think, you know, even if it's just a hundred calories, like in between the two interval sets in our BO2 workout instance, where we do the, the two minute sets, mm-hmm. there's that little extended break and then the four by four minutes, you know, 80 to a hundred calories of a gel or a drink or some candy or whatever will kind of get some blood or some sugar back into the blood. Right bloodstream pretty quickly and um kind of set you up for success in yeah the i think that's part. the bottom line like people think well i'm not gonna eat sugar i'm trying to lose weight no you want to be successful in this workout you right. want to feel like you could accomplish what you were supposed to do yeah yeah and even you're also think of it in terms of like you're setting yourself up not only for success in the workout you're in the midst of but in many cases we're going to be doing the same or similar workout a couple days later so keeping your glycogen stores up will set you up for more success in a couple days as well Mm -hmm. so like it's not just about the moment although that's the most obvious but it's also about keeping things up over the course of the you know the whole week and and few weeks um and that kind of goes in line with then recovery drinks Mm so yeah i'm a big fan of of that yeah i think this is the time recovery drinks are super beneficial um you know after aerobic rides and the aerobic workouts you know i think just having more quote real food is good but after these high intensity ones where you take a big chunk of glycogen out mm-hmm. um i mean i would say these workouts because we're getting um in 75 minutes we're getting like 100 tss um i think is what we did on thursday and i mean you can that's safe to say you're taking two-thirds three-quarters of like your glycogen stores maybe more like boom it's gone boom they're gone so you need to replenish those as quickly as possible whereas the aerobic workouts we were doing a month and more ago maybe only took a third or maybe at most a half of our glycogen store so we had the luxury of eating real food a little later and it builds up but now we need to get on top of it immediately so there's a lot of different brands out there. We're big fans, again, of First Endurance, um, but SIS makes one that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many brands out there. But basically some quick-absorbing sugars, a little bit of protein, that kind of uh, four-to-one ratio seems to be the most popular. Um, and just getting 300-ish calories, mostly sh- um, sugars, a little bit of protein, immediately after the workout mm-hmm. um, refills the glycogen, and then it also replenishes the fluids you lost yeah, you sweating. Get some fluid, yeah, because indoors particularly you're sweating a lot. And then it also helps keep your cortisol levels more in check. Because if you do a hard workout and you don't give yourself the calories, it even like escalates your cortisol and hormone levels out of whack, and it's harder to recover. Well, it's harder to fall asleep, especially if you're someone who does the night workouts. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep if I if I did a night workout and didn't drink like a pretty like good size yeah. yeah recovery drink right right because it has all these stimulating effects essentially mm-hmm. of uh, having just done tons of stress um, and then the getting the proper recovery drink helps kind of mitigate that to some degree um, so this is definitely the time for recovery drinks. Um, so yeah. that, that's kind of the feeling stuff. And then other stuff we've ta- hit on a lot of times in other episodes. It's a lot of the obvious things, but I think it's worth mentioning is, uh, you know, when you're in a tough training block, maximizing sleep, you know, we're big sleep Nazis over here. Um, <laughs> the more sleep, the better. I mean, eight hours if you can or more. Um, make Just make it a priority. Um, and then just healthful nutrition in general. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that. Today I told you I realized I haven't been eating as many vegetables lately. I, I think I've just been kind of lazy about food prep. Mm-hmm. So just talking about this kicks kicking my pants to get back to doing a little bit better job with my nutrition. Okay, right. Yeah, so maximizing 
fruits and vegetables and keeping clean, you know, minimizing yeah. the extra sugary stuff. And honestly, it just takes a little bit of planning, but I just haven't been doing it lately. Yeah, yeah. And it's during these tough blocks that it really pays dividends. Then um, I think making some extra time, because you're likely training a little less because we're reducing volume to make room for the intensity, use that extra time, if not to sleep, to relax and avoid adding on additional stress. So if you can av- can avoid it, you know, try not to use that extra time to go dig a hole in the backyard to put a pool in or something. <laughs> <laughs> or um, I think what you really wanted to say was don't go play pickleball. Don't play, right. I mean, that's not my... Uh, but I, yeah, I've been thinking about it. Like I didn't play this week, and I missed it. But I knew that there was no way I could do that and feel strong enough to do the the training sessions right. this week. Right. Yeah. So try to avoid additional stress. Some things we can't avoid, but um, and then also maybe along the same lines, use that time to spend a little more time making friends with your foam roller at home and a little extra time stretching. You know, in front of the TV maybe. Um, that sort of thing, I think, goes a long way. Um, something I've personally lacked is Yeah, we got out of our routine. Stretching. You and Sophia and I had like a nightly routine of stretching and rolling and watching a show, but um, we need to get back on that practice. Yeah, I think that helps. I know it helps me a lot, for sure. And then, um, what else? Just taking care of yourself. If, you, if something hurts, go see a professional yeah yeah I think it's fine to schedule an appointment once in a while with a massage therapist chiropractor physical therapist someone who can work out the kinks and the yeah the aches in your body exactly exactly and then lastly you know as you conclude a big training block um plan for some recovery following that so you know you want to be rested and fresh going into it so it's you can be as successful as possible and then you want to plan some recovery after after the block so you can sort of absorb the work you just did for three or four or five weeks whatever it is and make those gains that way so um, that's when we're going to Florida like we mentioned earlier to Disney World but um, even if you can't take a vacation just you know you need to kind of chill for a bit Um, Mm -hmm. you know you can keep riding but keep it short and easy and fun and um, absorb that and then you'll be ready for like the next piece of the training whatever that is Um, moving forward. So um, I think that kind of covers what I have for getting through managing yeah, tough If somebody else blocks. has a, an, a good tactic, send us an email. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Send us, um, if you have questions or if you want to share like your favorite tactics or strategies for getting through tough training, um, you can and do that. And our recovery as well. Yeah, at Cody at TeamWeight.com or Kathy at TeamWeight.com. Um, and I think that kind of covers everything for the show. Um, oh, right. So, uh, what are you pointing at here? Oh, the stock, just the, the code. Remote. Oh yeah. We have a discount code for podcast listeners, um, base builder 25. So if you haven't gotten started with your base building, um, you can shop our stock training plans. We have them on our listed on our website as well as available on training peaks. Um, and you can use that code base builder 25 for 25% discount. Um, and also, you know, subscribe to our podcast on, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and rating if you like what you hear. Um, If there's ways we can improve, let us know that too because we're always looking to um, improve as we go um, into this because we're about, what, this is episode 27? Yeah. Well, thanks for sticking with us. We've learned a lot as we've gone along and improved our um, recording quality too, I hope, and um, just thanks for faithfully listening to yeah. our podcast yeah thanks for listening and um, good luck with the vo2s next week get through that tough training block and after that we'll have uh the last two weeks is anaerobic power which are those are kind of fun yeah actually those are the hard intervals that are in my i like doing them they're fun um and we have a fun way of doing it particularly for smart trainer users um, and we'll talk about that in the future but um a couple of few more good weeks of tough training ahead so all right well happy training this weekend everybody yep thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week